Grace Point Revealed Podcast, episode number six. What do you think, Clint? Do they ever water ski in the town of Grace Point? What? What? I'm trying to figure out what that hand gesture is. That was was Tom riding a skateboard. Is that what that was? Yes. (laughs) Looks like water skiing to me. Uh, well, you know, like, here's, look, well now that you flip. explain it, yes, it makes perfect sense, Water but skiing. you're taking these two fingers and moving them up and down the table here. I don't know what that means. Clint was trying to give me an idea of what to say for the intro. What you said last time that we recorded this. What? Are you giving it away already? Oh, no. That this is take two? It's a time warp. It is. Welcome back to Grace Point Revealed Podcast. Uh, I'm Daryl. Hey, hey Daryl. Yeah. Do you do you ever get to podcast? Well, yeah. I mean, I have my ways. So, would you like to podcast a bit with me here tonight? No, no. I'm 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 sorry. I'm sorry. That didn't come out the way I uh I didn't mean it to uh. I, I, I mean, I just don't want you to pass out on me. That's all. Have you, just because of that, that sinus problem I had. Have you told anybody about that? Because I think you should tell somebody, but I don't want to be the only one to know about that. You can't, you can't tell anybody. You can't tell anybody. I have to get through this podcast. All right. After that, you need to tell somebody. All right. All right. <laughs> Honestly, when you put that in the show notes, I didn't know where you were going with it until you... Started acting it out, and then it all clicked with uh-huh. me. Yes. Uh-huh. Well done, my friend. Thank you. Well, welcome back to the studio, Clint. Thank nice you. To, nice to see you here again. Yeah. Twice. In the <laughs> Twice same in week. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what happened last night. We recorded the podcast last night, except when I went to edit it. It was gone. It was gone. Like so Frank Sinatra. All my other recordings I had done that day were, including the one right after ours, was there, but... Like Elvis and his mom. Yep. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for having patience. We're a day late getting the podcast out. We decided to go ahead and do a live stream tonight because... There's at least two people in the chat there, room tonight. There are. There are at least twice that many people here twice. in the chat room t- tonight. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought that maybe nobody would show up because it was all last minute, but I thought, you know, for those who really wanted their podcast today, they can join us live and still get their podcast today. So greetings to all of you and uh, to all of you who patiently waited a day. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. It. Yep. So let's get into it, man. Yeah. What are we talking about this week? Darryl? We're talking about Grace Point episode six, which was directed by David Petrarca. I think you're supposed to roll the R there, David Patrarca. Wow. I don't quite have the uh, tongue Petrarca. talent that you do, or so I've heard. Uh, written by, or the teleplay, the teleplay was Terrible. by Jason Kim. Jason Kim. Spoiler. Sorry. I, I was about to say it. And I then know you, you did were. It. And then you did it. Can't believe you did that. All right. Well, let's start out the podcast tonight with some feedback that we got from Andrew in Montreal. How do you do a Montreal accent, Clint? The only thing I can think of for anyone from Canada is the movie Strange Brew. 
Okay. So everyone from Canada sounds like Dave Thomas or Rick Moranis from that movie. <laughs> Let's go with have Rick Moranis. No, I, I don't think I have. Yeah. Strange Brew? No, I'm thinking I'm not of, talking about Wendy's Dave Thomas. I'm talking about comedian Dave Thomas. I didn't figure you were. Okay. No, Strange Brew, that rings a bell with me because that was the name of an episode of Falling Skies Season 3. Yeah, Max von Sydow. I'm sorry? Max von Sydow. Sydow? Sydow? He was the bad guy. Strange Brew. Come on, Joe. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you haven't seen a lot of movies. I just told you that I haven't seen it, that I associate that phrase with an episode of Falling Skies. So why you then decided to go ahead and throw out a reference from the movie and then were shocked that I didn't get it makes no sense. That's what I have to do. I have to be shocked every time I mention a movie and you you haven't seen it. I don't know if you know this about me. So, yeah, I do. Back to Andrew. So Andrew sounds like, hey, hoser. Yeah. (laughs) Take off, you knob. Hey, uh, it's about time. Yeah, he's got a dog named Hoserhead. <laughs> what? Again, if you've seen the movie, I see. Yeah. I have not. So I'm sure Andrew doesn't sound like that. Okay. When he called in, he sounded a bit like a uh, James Bond with a cold last week. Uh huh. Sounded like a Brit. But I think it's fake. You calling him out? I think it's fake. Okay. Just based on. Uh, something he said in in the feedback that he gave, which was, "Fooled ya guys, I'm actually an expat Brit. I was doing a Canadian, doing a posh Brit accent like some actors on a certain CW vamp show. Ah, uh, backward I'm... smiley face. <laughs> yeah." I, I've never seen that show, but I have sat through a panel at uh, Comic-Con for yes, that show. Yes. Now, was that the originals or, which is funny because it's a sequel to The Vampire Diaries. Uh-huh, it is. Isn't that, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I have not sat through a panel for the originals. I don't, no, I didn't. But Vampire Diaries I have, well, maybe even twice, Vampire but not on purpose. Diaries. Okay. Exactly. Well, Daryl, let's get right into the episode rating. Ooh, episode rating. What'd you give this one? I gave it nine. Whoa. Nine repossessed refrigerators. Now, I wanted to give it an 8.5, and I started out with an 8.5. And I thought the 0.5 would be nice because he he had enough money to get half the refrigerator, so I thought a half of a number would be good. But I had to boost it up to a nine. You know, there's been times where I've kind of boosted it down a half a point for a certain little thing here or there. a lot. A lot this week, or this season. I boosted this up because while this didn't necessarily move us, you know, big leaps and bounds towards finding the, the villain, I don't expect that at this point. What I loved about this episode is that it it was great writing, great acting, great direction. It was a great hour of television. Was I heartbroken at the end of it? Were there some incredibly poignant and heartbreaking scenes absolutely but those those actually added to the value of the episode in my opinion thus the nine uh repossessed refrigerators it's great okay what about so you? how did the refrigerators get possessed in the first place well i think that uh reverend Coates has something to do with that that's right <laughs> that's that's episode nine we're gonna see the exorcism that's of right. the fridge <laughs> That'll be awesome. Come out of there, you meats of Delhi. Yeah, I command you. So you should. You need to add the ref, the refrigerator to the poll of who killed Danny. <laughs> That's right. I like that. Well, I gave this seven point five awkward passes. Okay, we had a lot of awkward passes. We did, uh, kind of like uh, 
Jay Cutler this week. I was I knew we we're gonna go to some quarterback reference. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know who Jay Cutler is. That's how out of touch I am. Well, football. that's why I paused because I'm like, is he still playing? <laughs> I think he's playing somewhere. <laughs> and I'm assuming he had kinda a like, bad game. Kind of like Brandon Whedon. Oh, Ooh. ouch. He had some awkward passes last week. Yeah. Romo was back this week to lead the Cowboys to victory. But, uh, yeah, there were a couple of awkward passes in the uh, episode of Grace Point this week. We'll mm-hmm. certainly talk about those. We will. Yeah. Uh, we wait, got wait, co- wait. You said 7.5, though, and that is that your highest yet? It is. It is my highest yet. That's like a 9 for you. Like, I gave it a 9. A 7.5 is basically the same for me. You know, it's one of those, like you said, it didn't really move the story along. We didn't get any closer to Danny's killer. I, don't, I didn't feel like... But it was such a compelling hour of television. Yeah. It was just fantastic. Yeah, it was just good television. You know, this show is really not about the end, but the journey mm-hmm. for me. And so this was really, it took us on a on a ride. Man, it was such an emotional punch in the gut, wasn't it? Yes, it was. My so, wife cried. She cried. She didn't like weep, but she got teary-eyed with this episode. I cried today. Did you? Mm-hmm. Did you look in the mirror? Uh, Did you get another letter from your mom? Uh, Just kidding. I went to see Interstellar today with my wife on a date. You didn't invite me? I did not invite you on the date with my wife. Can't believe that. I'm I could sorry. have held your popcorn. I know. We didn't have popcorn. We couldn't afford the popcorn, but we did get to see see the movie. Good for you. Good for you. And now you and I can go see it. All right. Yeah, that's true. Well, Barb also wrote in or called in a rating, and she also gave it 7.5. But she gave it 7.5 shattered glasses and lives. Now, her 7.5 is more like a Daryl 7.5 than a Clint 7.5, I think. Not sure. Okay. Mark gave it eight inappropriate advances. So Mark and I are on the same page this week. Indeed. All right. Well, what do you say we get into some episode discussion? All right. Um, starts out. <laughs> there it is. We're like 10 minutes into the episode. I know. That's a new record for you. I know. Maybe that's why it got deleted because I didn't do it you yesterday. You didn't do it last so, night. Yeah. That's right. They're good luck. It's not an actual podcast until you do a Killer Seagulls that's impersonation. Right. Did you expect Killer Seagulls to swoop down and, and knock Tom off of his skateboard? What were your thoughts about the opening scene? Weird. It was just plain weird. You know, with no backstory, uh, it felt really odd that they would start that. You know, that they wouldn't just try and figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. It did seem weird. You know, use a marker. Yeah. Don't have the best friend slash son of the detective reenact the night of Danny's death, but I don't know. It seemed kind of odd. It seems like they could have used camera footage. Like they, I know they had some camera footage, but it, you would have thought that would have given them enough. I don't know what they really gained from it, but it was just weird to me. The whole, the whole scene was weird. It's weird. So... Where do you want to go from here? Danny apparently has two phones. Yeah. Okay. Let's, that's a great. That's a great point to talk about. What do you think he has? Two phones. Yeah. Absolutely. I do, okay. I do too. I do too. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. The only people I know that have two phones are drug dealers. Drug dealers, wife cheaters, mm-hmm. and employees that don't like using their company phone. <laughs> that's a for good personal point. Calls. Yeah. But Danny, yeah. I wouldn't think would fit the latter two categories. 
No. Am I right? He's not married, so I don't think that's... Uh, and he's not employed, so I don't think that's going to work. Yep, got to be the first one. Unless he's cheating with somebody that's married. <laughs> Let's hope not as a 12-year-old boy. It could be. It, you know, and it doesn't mean that he was necessarily a drug dealer either, but but I think that's the connotation that we have with people who have two cell phones. Although we're going to get a great um, feedback here before we're all said and done about another theory as to why he could have had... The second cell phone, but I, I get sounds like we both agree that he does have a, a second cell phone yep. based on what Ellie was saying. Tom had said about his phone being a smartphone and that sort of thing. Do you think it's important? The other phone? Yes. I think it's critically important. Do you think they're going to find anything on the on the crappy feature phone he's got? No. The crappy feature phone is the phone that his parents thought he had. It's his cover phone. The other phone. They may not find anything on it either. Depends on who has it and if they've wiped anything off of it or not. But it might end up being the smoking gun. Could be. Look, they they the two things that they told us from the very beginning that were missing from Danny Danny's possession were his phone and his skateboard. We've already seen the skateboard, or what we believe to be the skateboard, in the possession of Susan Wright. I don't think that that's significant. I don't, it is significant that she has it, but I don't necessarily think that that means that she's the killer. Right. But they haven't revealed the cell phone to us yet. So here we are now Episode seven six. episodes yeah. in by the time it could be revealed because it right. hasn't been revealed yet. So if it comes into play next episode, we're talking the seventh episode. I don't think we're going to see it next week. I don't, I don't either. So the later that it gets revealed, the more important it is and the more likely it is to reveal someone of substantial connection to the murder. Right. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I agree. You think the skateboard's going to play as big of a role? No. No? No. No? Now, it might. The, the, when, whenever the police discover the skateboard, or if they do, then it might throw them off the trail or point them in a false direction. But like I said, because we've already seen the skateboard, I don't think that it's going to be important to the overall solving of the case. I think it might. Do you? So are you saying you think Susan is involved with the murder or she is the murderer? I don't know. See, so, uh, I, no, I'm not saying that I think Susan is the murderer, but we know that Susan has the skateboard. Right. We know that Vince probably made the skateboard. That's a possibility. So whether or not Susan got the skateboard, mm-hmm. I feel like if she was on the beach smoking cigarettes at the murder scene, she could have picked it up because it could have implicated Vince. Oh. That may be something she's holding over him. This is just a crazy theory. It is a crazy theory, but it's not not out of this realm of possibility. So that points to Vince being the killer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting theory, but I do think that the phone is going to play an important role. And I think that when it gets revealed, because they've, like I said, like they, because they've held on to it for so long, mm-hmm. the, the, the writers, I mean, that it will, it will not be a red herring when it gets revealed where I do feel like the current skateboard is a red herring. And I think there are continuing, I think they're continuing to throw out a lot of red herrings where we'll, we'll muddle through those. Um, okay. Like, I think there was still a lot of those thrown out in this episode as well. Um, do you want to talk about the whole family situation that's going on with the uh, Solanos? Beth yeah, and man. Mark and all that stuff. So it sounds like, I'm trying to think, there's nothing 
else that's not on the table now, right? Everything's out on the table. The affair's out on the table. Yep. Everybody in the Solano family knows. Yep. Chloe's sleeping with Dean. Everybody in the family knows. Yep. Beth is pregnant. Right. Everybody in the family knows. and They're trying to make a decision on whether or not to keep the baby. That's right. And we, we saw Mark trying to manipulate that a little bit this week by looking at photos of Danny. Do you think he was trying to manipulate by doing that? Oh, yeah. Do you now? Yes. Do you now? Yes. So you don't think he was just a father trying to look at pictures of his boy? Timing seemed really conspicuous. I, I Okay, I'll give you that. But I think the timing is conspicuous because when Beth mentioned that she was pregnant, it probably flooded back memories of when he found out that she was pregnant with Danny the first time. And... It it made him want to pull those pictures out. Mm, maybe. Maybe, but he just happened to be in the room on the computer mm-hmm. with Beth in the room. It right. seems, seems kind of conspicuous to me. That's just me. Okay. And, but it worked, right? Well, maybe. Maybe. It looked like it was working when they're sitting down and looking at pictures. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Let's listen to what Mark had to say about Beth. Okay. And that'll open up some, some more lines of conversation here, I think. Now, Beth went a little off the deep end this episode with her little freak out there at the inn. I'm actually surprised she didn't hit Gemma with one of those glasses. But I have to say, with all she's been through and all the hurt she's feeling, I'm extremely surprised with how close she's staying to Mark. I mean, if I ever cheated on my wife and she found out, I'd either be dead or not allowed anywhere near my house. Not to mention, as Jack said, the loss of a child usually drives a wedge between a couple that's very hard to overcome. So I'm really surprised at how she can tolerate Mark. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, I'm well surprised in some ways that he still has the key to the house. I'm not that surprised. Okay, why is that? Well, I think that, you know, her primary, uh, you call it an issue, or the thing that she's dealing with right now is the death of her son, right? Right. Humans are only capable of processing so much. True. So I think that she is processing that as best she can. Mm-hmm. She knows about Mark. You know, we saw her blow up at Gemma Fisher to try and ensure that it doesn't happen again. We saw Mark try and blame the affair on her, which was unreal, just, just terrible. How do you do that? You're a no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel. I mean, really, man. Beth, yes. it's your fault that I'm, I cheated yeah, on may- you. Maybe you were the one that pushed me away. And- yeah. And then I had to fall into the arms of another yeah. one little act of indiscretion. One little act six, of foot. Yeah. Six little acts of indiscretion. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that she is trying, sh- she needs Mark, mm-hmm. even though she probably can't admit it, as support for Chloe, as financial support mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. And they kind of need to stick together as a family, at least until Danny's killer's found. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. And based on what you were you know, talking about before we, we played Mark's feedback there, I mean, it could be that because she's only dealing with one issue at a time, that it's keeping him around and forcing them to work through this issue in a way that they otherwise would not have done. When we see them looking at Danny's pictures together, it does kind of give you some hope that, hey, maybe they'll be able to salvage this thing after all. And I also think that Jack's words to Mark, where he said, 
you know, when he talked about losing his son and how they weren't able to work through that grief and it ruined their marriage or ended their marriage, that probably struck a chord with Mark too, where if he has any desire to be a husband and father, then that was probably also served as a wake-up call. Yeah. So those two things could actually keep their marriage together maybe. So we've gotten through... 20 minutes of the podcast, we haven't even mentioned Jack. This episode was really about him until it, until just now. It really was. Do you want to talk about Jack now? Let's do it. Okay. He died. He died. All right. He died in a very tragic way. So the other thing we had was what was going on with Owen. Wait a minute. Wait, no. No, you no, want to no, do more no, than no, that? Oh, oh, oh. So we, we got the big reveal. <laughs> yeah. Jack, yeah. not so much a pedophile? No. Not so much. Technically, yes. I don't know. I don't know that. They, I don't know that he technically qualifies as a pedophile. When you when you think of a pedophile, you typically think of someone, a, a child. I don't know what the cutoff is. You know, uh, it, had he done something with Danny, we still would have considered him a pedophile. But yes. when you learn that it was with a girl who was one month away from being legal for that state, it does shed light on it. But you also have to look at it when we when you you learn that he was. He was 40, she was 18 when they got married. So he's like 38 or so, 37 maybe, when the relationship is going on and he gets busted. So so this is how Wikipedia defines it. Okay. Psychiatric disorder in which an adult or older adolescent experiences a primary or exclusive attraction to prepubescent children. Okay. As a medical diagnosis, specific criteria to this disorder extends to the cutoff point for prepubescence to age 13. Okay. Person diagnosed must be at least 16 years of age and five years older. Oh, wow. So. It's quite interesting that they've got that. Have it that, that Yeah, I mean, I imagine they have to for, yeah. for legal reasons, right? Yeah. So Jack, by that definition, Jack is definitely not. A pedophile. Pedophile. Right. But. Crater robber, maybe. Yeah, dirty yeah. Dirty old man or whatever. Well, how do you feel about it? Well, knowing what we know, I think you kind of have to look at it two different ways. One is, was he wrong to even have the relationship with her initially? And two, was he wrong to continue and and uh, take that relationship to the next level with marriage when right. he got out of prison? So what, what are your thoughts on these things? Um, so the first thing, was he wrong to have that relationship I feel like he was wrong. I feel like he took advantage of his music student. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. You know, I, I tried to, after we talked about this, I tried to think of a, you know, some sort of absolute legal or moral definition that I could stand on and say, yes, that's why this is wrong. Uh-huh. Legally, it, it technically is wrong. It's called statutory rape. That's why he went to prison. Right. Morally, Feels wrong to me. It's, it could be a, a culture thing, but that's that's absolutely right. Maybe 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 a cultural thing. So that's that's murky for me. But yeah. I mean, obviously, it's against the law. He went to prison for it. Coming out and marrying her, I don't know if that adjust if that justifies the initial act, but it certainly is. I think acceptable. She's eighteen. Mm-hmm. She's a fully consenting adult. Right. They love each other. They get married. They have a child. Mm-hmm. Child dies. 
the grief tears them apart. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. It's a very tragic story, you know, and I'm kind of torn on it as well. I, I, I have a little bit of a background to, to relate to this in a, in some sense. So when I was a high school senior, there was a girl that I knew through a mutual friend, right? She went to a uh, school in the next town over. So she did not go to my school. So I didn't know her that well. But she was dating a man. She was so she would have been seventeen or eighteen at the time. I don't know. She was a senior, but I don't know if she'd had her birthday yet. She was dating a man who was somewhere between thirty eight and forty two. So very similar age dynamic as to what we were having uh, with Jack and his wife here. Right. And those who knew about the relationship naturally they didn't just go out and tell everybody about this relationship her parents were not happy about it sure of course not uh but she was of age now i don't know if they were you know engaging in any type of sexual activity that certainly wasn't any of my business but i know her parents weren't happy about it but she was also old enough where they couldn't do anything about it right but you know those who did know about it it was you know it's kind of a taboo thing controversial right But I, I, I'll tell you this, I talked to him uh, like three years ago, randomly, and they're still together. They're, they're married. They've been married. They got married shortly after she got out of high school. That was 20 years ago. Well, They have children together now. So, you know, it, it's, it's more of a taboo, more of a cultural thing, I think, than anything else. And I think, it's, I think the thoughts that he was manipulating her or taking advantage of of uh, you know an un- young and an impressionable, uh, maybe even uh, naive young girl. There's probably some validity to that, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what happened. Feels like he got away with something that he shouldn't have gotten away with. Yeah, yeah, right. But I will say the fact that they did get married later on, they did have a child together. That does that that should in most people's minds further validate. Right, he the, wasn't. He wasn't sincerity of the relationship. He wasn't preying right on somebody younger than himself for just pleasure or exactly or, or whatever else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know, you and I talked last week about what classified as statutory rape. I think I think we sounds like we got it pretty close here. The only thing yep. we missed was Jack's age, which we also said this timeline doesn't seem to be adding up. Well, now it does, knowing that he was the age that he was and she was the age that she was. But we also saw we also talked last week about how. If it was statutory rape, it was probably with a girl and not with a guy. And as right. far as we knew, people who who are attracted to un, young, you know, pedophile age yes. children here, since we've made that clarification here, it's usually one or the other. It's not boys and girls; it's boys or girls. That's true. And I, I, and Jack made that clear here. Right. He is not attracted to, to young boys. Right. And and I, I, so I liked the way that the show handled the, the situation and explained all the details. Really. Yeah, and it made you really feel for Jack. Yeah. You know, regardless of what whatever he did, you know, whether or not it was wrong. Mm-hmm. It, the initial thing, uh, certainly the victim now. Isn't that interesting? Last week, he was the... The devil incarnate. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now he's the victim. Now he's the victim. Yeah. Really tragic, too, the way that the, way that the story ends. Yeah, I do just, like that they revealed his story in two different ways. Like right. he told part of it to Mark and he told part of it to, um, D- detective uh, Carver. But then the way that it ends where he gets attacked, he comes out to see pedophile, you know, spray painted and takes his own life. Yeah. I mean, you know, to have your family, your dead son, yeah. his picture plastered all over, all over the papers would be just terrible. Does 
the newspaper, do the newspaper writers have any type of culpability here? I guess we can go about it two ways, either morally or legally. Are they, should they be held responsible for what they did to, to, to really end this man's life? So morally, absolutely, in my opinion. Uh-huh. It's, it was complete slander, right? Sure. Uh, legally, I would say yes. They do, but as you and I talked about yesterday, probably isn't anybody left to go after. Yeah, with slander, and I don't know how the law works. Maybe someone uh, listening can can fill us in. You know, if Jack were still alive, he could go after them for slander, but since he's dead, I don't know if even what the point would be, yeah. you know, unless his wife wanted to come after them. She, she hears about it and wants to come after them. I don't know. So what do you think that get, kind of gets us into the – journalism if you want to even call it that terrible sloppy journalism we live in an age where journalism if i were a true journalist i would be offended by what gets passed as journalism in our society today like fox news uh, well they're not the only ones i mean but fox news is the worst i don't think i don't think they're the worst i, I, I they're the worst i think there are online sources that are much worse than that's that. true what happened with the article owen wakes up Pulls up the computer to see what 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 the article looks like. Immediately recognizes that it's been changed. What what do you think happened here? I think it was definitely Renee that changed it. Okay, so not the the Globe or no the editor back I mean, at the Globe it, it, or whatever. It could be, mm-hmm. but based on everything we've seen from Renee, I think it has to be her that yeah. changed it. What do you think? I agree. The laptop was on her nightstand. Uh-oh. So he had to crawl over her to get it. So I think once he was out for the night, she got up, she made some revisions, Let's and sent in an update. Yeah. Here and there. Yeah. It's really sad. It turns out that they really didn't know Jack. <laughs> that is a new joke for tonight. Yes, that's, that's right. You get, you're getting bonus jokes. That's an improvement over anything you said last night. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. That's true, though. They... they Again, terrible journalism. I like that Owen drew a line. He, 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 his moral compass finally found north, I guess, if you want to say that. And, and money or no money, he, he stepped away. He's probably still going to feel some guilt when he finds out that Jack is dead, but oh, yeah, not as much as he would have if he hadn't backed out of the whole deal. No, he's going to feel terrible. Yeah. He's going to feel. Awful. And, you know, I think his moral compass will keep him going in the right direction Uh just until he realizes he doesn't have a fridge to put food in. (laughs) Well, then he'll be working on more stories. Yeah, I hope not. No, I don't think so. I think that when he finds out Jack is dead, fridge or no fridge, he he won't return to working with Renee unless she's got some blackmail on him. She's that kind of girl that would find something and totally exploit him. Like, oh, I'll tell Kathy we've been sleeping together and yeah, or, be the end of your career. Or, or she'll tell him she's pregnant or something just to keep him around. Yes, or I'm going to tell everyone that you wrote the article and you and put my name on it. Uh-huh. That sounds like something she would do. She Yeah, she would if she wants him around that badly. She's a cold-hearted snake. Ow! Look into her eyes. Uh-oh! She's been telling lies. <laughs> She's a lover boy at play. 
It doesn't Girl. tend to same, uh, yeah. No, it doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work as well, no. All right. Shall we talk about Dean and Chloe? Dean and Chloe in the morning. <laughs> Doey. Doey. Uh, I like it. You like Doey? Dean and Chloe in the morning. I would I would tune into the Dean and Chloe show. Would you? In the morning. It would be one-sided. He would start to talk and she would just like, speak for him. No, that's not a news story. The news story is Kim Kardashian. <laughs> it's the news story. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. That I don't terrible. know either. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious how she went from walking away from him. The next scene, she's speaking on his behalf, arguing the, his case. It just seemed a little bit weird to me. How did she make that leap? I think that she wants to find Danny's killer. You're talking about the scene at the restaurant where Dean comes forward Mm -hmm. and gives Renee the list of names that will corroborate the story that Jack, quote, touched him. Right. Touched his back, I think, right? Right. Touched his back. Touched his back. There's not even anything wrong with that. Touching his back. Yeah. Um, You know, and Chloe jumps in and answers for him. Trying mm-hmm. to make the case more emphatic. I think she's so hurting. She wants she wants her brother's death to be solved that any inkling that it could be Jack, she's trying to fuel the fire, right? Mm-hmm. So that they get to it. Okay. Okay. Maybe so. See, I read it a different way. I read it that look, he's her first love. He's he he's probably the man that she gave her virginity to. So there is an emotional attachment to him that is unhealthy for her. And I think that that coupled with the fact that she hopes beyond all hope that the guy that she is sleeping with isn't also the dude that killed her brother. So she's going to believe anything that he says and then be so invested in him that she's just going to do a complete 180 and come to his defense no matter what it is or how ridiculous it is that he says. I didn't get that at all. Okay. And I I don't I don't see that as in line with her character. Okay. She seems like the type that would pressure Dean mm-hmm. and push Dean to do stuff that he doesn't want to do. I I think she's more of that type too, but I but I also could see the other side of it, and I wanted to throw it out there as an argument. Okay. Although, I think if I had to choose, I would I would choose my my argument that I'm throwing out there, but I th- you, you very well could be right. I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's a big deal, because I don't think he's the killer. I don't no, think she's the killer. But, I mean, look, historically, mm-hmm. right? Dean, against his will, got cocaine to help Chloe out, mm-hmm. right? Dean, against his will, has done lots of different things. He met with Chloe outside of wherever they were. He picked Chloe up reluctantly. Mm-hmm. You know, she was walking as she was storming off because she was mad. Dean is a people pleaser. Hmm. It's really insightful, actually. Okay. I think what? You, I think really? you've swayed me back what? off of my... Yes. I'm le- now leaning towards your argument. All right. I like it. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's interesting. Again, I don't think he's involved. I don't think she's involved. I think it's just drama, you know, that's that's happening in their lives. Nothing more. They should really save the drama for Chloe's Yo mama, mama, Beth. Beth. Speaking of drama, uh huh. She got a little dramatic with the beer. 
Why did they have to waste the beer? The beer did nothing you wrong. You know, when I watch a show where they destroy a really nice car, I'm like, why? Give me the car. That's how I was with the beer. <laughs> Don't waste the beer. Don't waste the beer? That's a lot of beer. Maybe it was like a really cheap, you know, like a Miller Lite. $2 beer. It didn't look like Miller Lite to me. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with Miller Lite. It's not MGD. That's true. <laughs> That's true. It's not high class. It's I'm talking not, about beers if I know anything about It's not about the beast, it. right? It's not old Milwaukee either. I'll tell you, everything I know about beer, I learned from Tales from the Cask. Tales from the Cask. Is that a plug for a... A great podcast. Gold Spiral Media Produced They won an award. Podcast? for their. They are an award-winning podcast. I did not know that. They were voted the second best beer podcast by the Beer Writers Guild of America. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Who won the first? I don't recall the name. They're not important to me. What's important right. is the second most. They should, they'll probably win the, the gold medal next year. I hope so. I hope so. They do a great podcast. I'm not surprised knowing who's involved. Yeah. Great team. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the beer scene, really, because we, we talked about the Solano's reaction to what's been going on, but the Beth Gemma confrontation, albeit short, was still quite Sweet. good. It was sweet, short, yeah. but sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I thought Beth handled herself really yeah. nicely. You know, this is the first time that, I'm trying to think, this is the first time that Beth has really kind of asserted herself in a situation that I can think of. Well, yeah, she, she certainly didn't do it when she saw them making out. No. She just kind of... No, she she's very cunning. Mm-hmm. I think cunning is a good word. Maybe she waited for the right moment to drop the bomb on. She Mark did right before the press conference. Yes, she did. Yeah. Which was <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Speaking uh, of uh, Susan. <laughs> yeah. She invited Tom over. Was that creepy? Uh, Yeah, it was absolutely creepy. It was. It was very creepy is the best word for it. I can think of a few reasons why she might have done that okay Um, what are what are said reasons that she was involved with danny in some way okay and now needs a new like let's say that she was involved with drug running and danny was too she needs a new drug runner okay so you're not saying that she's necessarily a pedophile that thought had not occurred to me are we going to barb yeah, we could swing into Barb because Barb actually does mention it in okay. her, her feedback. Okay. Yeah, let's, Sorry. Let's, uh, let's listen to Barb. Vince displayed an ugly temper toward Jack this week, and I suspect that will take him to the top of the list in some people's eyes. I don't believe he's the killer, but I have a different thought about Vince. Thinking back to Susan's invite and creepy dinner setting, I think that Susan may be our resident pedophile. She may have abused Vince as a boy, leaving him with anger issues. Now she's looking for a new little boy, Tommy. I don't think she's a killer, just a creep. So I creep, yeah, because he don't know what I do. Really? That's the version of creep you're going to go with? TLC. Is there another version of creep? Well, she's a creep. She's a weirdo. No? Or Radiohead? Who? Yeah. So Barb is the one that gave me the idea that Susan might be a pedophile, and I 
I like the thought. I mean, I don't like the thought, but you know what I mean. I think it's a. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's a, a, a solid observation, and the possibility that she had done something inappropriate to Vince, or, or is a possibility okay. too, because we see Vince lashing out in this episode towards Jack. Because that's true. So if he has been abused in the past and now thinks Jack is someone doing things to boys that was done to him, that would cause the reaction that we got out of Vince this week. That's true. And you think it could be Susie Susan. did it. Wow. Maybe. That's an interesting thing. I don't think it's a it's a completely illogical jump jump. I think no. it's more logical than illogical. But so I do like I do like what you said about Vince. Uh-huh. I think I, I like that a lot. But keep in mind mm-hmm. that last week at the end of the episode, we were convinced that Jack was a pedophile. I don't think we were convinced he was a pedophile. I think we were convinced that he had had an well, certainly, illegal relationship with a minor. Certainly the townspeople were convinced that he was a pedophile. Yes. Through halfway they, through this episode. They were. And so I, I would, think that I they're... I would just caution, caution against okay, but people look, seeing, seeming what they... Being what they seem. Is that what I mean to say? But but at the same time, Clint, you have to admit that any time that we've had a scene with Jack where he's been telling a version of a story, he's been true. We've walked away from that, going, "Yeah, I think he's telling the truth." Yes, we've had the opposite reaction to Susan. Well, and I don't think that she's necessarily. Can I say that she's? Yeah, no, she's definitely lying. Mm-hmm. I was going to say she. She is being purposely deceitful rather than outright lying, but she's also outright lying. She lied Absolutely. to the police. Yeah. Do you think that she knows who the killer is? I think we both agree that she's not the killer, but do you think that she knows who it is? You know, if that Vince theory holds up, she probably does know that Vince is the killer. What if Vince isn't the killer? Vince is not the killer. Mm, I don't know. I don't I, think she knows. I think she but, does, just because we always see her standing around observing things. But if she did know, there is no way that she would tell the police. No. No way. She would not shave her head or her eyebrows, put on a fedora, and look at the killer and say, he has arrived. She just wouldn't do that. I see what you did there. You like that? That was nice. You like that? That was a fresh joke, by the way. Another, yeah. Yeah. A fresh spin on a... A fresh spin. We, we used yeah. a variation yeah. no, of that joke like last that. night. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I Yeah. So I think that she does know the killer. Now, we got some new evidence about her this week. Or I, I think we're led to believe it's about her. Hugo uh, reveals that there were some cigarette butts found around Danny's body that would have washed been washed away by the tide had they not likely been put there by the killer yeah, or been put there after Danny died. And I think that's a distinction worth making. He spent a lot of time digging for those butts. (laughs) So the only butts he's been digging for. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, We'll come back to that. Let's circle back to that. Um, Let me ask you, I guess, let me ask you two things on this, Clint. Number one, right after he says that about these cigarette butts, we see Susan smoking. Now, we didn't need that scene of her smoking, right? Because we've seen her smoking just about every time we have seen her in this show. She's always smoking, She's, right? Yeah. So there was no need for them to, for uh, them to go, well, we found these cigarettes. And then the audience is going, wow, have we ever seen anybody smoking? Like, who could that be? I, smokers? I don't. 
There's no there's no smokers in California. Yeah. So I don't think anybody was at a loss as to who the smoker could have been. You know, so this for them is to one show of those, it, it's way obvious. This is one of those changes I think they did for Americanizing the show. Okay. And it's really insulting. It's like Americans are too stupid to remember what happened 15 seconds ago where we started <laughs> smoking. So let's be, let's, let's cut to her smoking so that everyone goes, oh, she smokes cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's definitely what they did. I don't, do you think it's a complete red herring or do you think it? I think, well, yes. Uh, from, from the standpoint that is she, does that mean she's the killer? I don't think she is the killer. Okay. At all. How do you think the cigarette butts got there? I think one or two things happened. Either she was sitting on the beach and was smoking. She saw a boat off in the distance and went and hid and maybe saw who the killer was. Mm -hmm. Or very creepily, she stood over Danny's body after he he was dead and smoked three cigarettes, which is really extra creepy. I think that's what she did. I think she saw his body. She might have observed who did it. It might be both of those things. She observed who did it. Watched him after they were gone. She went down there and smoked a couple of cigarettes around his dead body. That is disgusting. And maybe picked up the skateboard at the same time. Maybe so. Maybe so. Because that's the only reason. That's the only explanation I can think of of how she got the skateboard. I don't. No, I was going to say I don't think she's dumb enough to leave cigarette butts there, but clearly she is. Or hey, somebody else could be smoking those cigarettes. That's that doesn't right. mean it's her. That's right. Yeah. Or Hugo planted them there possible we've seen him botch crime scenes we talked about those so i think a he's distracted (laughs) by what i don't know and b this is like the first major crime scene that they've had right right we saw the tents come down this week which i think i think we said which Mm -hmm. was good Mm -hmm. it took him how long is that six days ish just just to comb the crime scene yeah it's been a long time yeah Lots of incompetence. Well, they're all all of them are over their head except except for Carver. Now, I want to bring this up. This is something you mentioned in the podcast when we recorded it the first time last night. Yes, you talked about the influence that Carver is having on this town. Could you could you walk us through that again? Oh boy, do you I'll think try. Do you think you can? I know it's it's hard recreating something like this. No, yeah. Last last night we were talking about Jack, and you know this tragedy that happened to him, which was really perpetrated. You know, when a person commits suicide, it's their own, in my opinion, it's their own fault or doing or choice or whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. But certainly he was pushed towards that by the townspeople. Absolutely. And what we had in the first episode, in the pilot episode, was an idyllic coastal town. Everybody's friendly, right? They've got the sack race at the school or whatever Mm -hmm. whatever you call it. Right. Um, Everybody knows everybody. The Solanos aren't worried about Danny. They let him come and go as he pleases because they, kn- they know and trust everyone in the town. Carver comes in, and it's his sole mission in life to solve this case, and he yeah. does not care what happens okay. to the people of the town. I agree with that. Carver is systematically turning this town upside down. He is... His suspect everyone attitude is like a virus that has now infected the town. And the culmination of that this week was the lynch mob that went to Jack's house. Yeah. Okay. 
Wait, but you're saying that was Carver's doing? Yes, it is Carver's doing. I mean, if you look at what the first scene we have with him on the beach, mm-hmm. right? Ellie shows up. His first thing is not hello, it's not hi. It's like, it's focus, suspect everyone. Anyone could be the killer. And that's his sole purpose in life. He is, in my opinion, the villain in the story. What? He's the villain in the story. What? He's the villain. How do you... The murderer is the is the villain. I, see, I don't think the murderer is the villain. I think, based on what we've seen so far, that Danny was killed, certainly second-degree murder at most, right? This wasn't some sort of premeditated... I don't think so. I'm planning on killing Danny. It was a fit of rage in a moment, or or possibly, maybe more likely, an accident. And the whole elaborate boat transport thing was just a, a way to cover it up. Right. Right? Yep, I think so. So, I don't want to call that person the victim in this case, but they're certainly not... It's not um, premeditated, right? His death? His death. I don't think so. I don't think is premeditated, right? Carver said as much. This obviously is somebody who's never done this before. It's amateur. They're running scared, etc. Carver, everything he's doing is premeditated. The showing, the Solanos, the videos, and watching their reaction, going to church, seeing who's squeamish and uncomfortable. He's... He's infecting this town with this trust no one attitude so that he can accomplish what he feels like his sole purpose is, which is finding out who the murderer is. And it doesn't matter if the town is left standing when he finds out who the murderer is, so long as as he finds it out. And yeah. so in that in that sense, he is basically raping this town and stealing its innocence. See, that's where I have to disagree with you. I think the killer stole the innocence of the town, but I think the townsfolk are acting on something that is within them. Let me put it to you this way. This is, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not. When I was in the third grade, like every young child growing up in Oklahoma, we lived in a trailer park. (laughs) (laughs) And as trailer parks uh as happens to trailer parks in oklahoma from time to time ours was hit by a tornado now our trailer park was not one where like we see here on grace point where it's you know trailers side by side by side by side we all had two three four five acres something like that okay so we were all spread out so our home was actually completely untouched no damage at all whereas the neighbor just across the street and diagonal from us was completely cut in half and others in our neighborhood were completely leveled. Some of them, like one had a screen door pulled off was all. And then across on the other side of the highway, it was complete rubble over there. But when this happened, it triggered something inside of me and I was captured by this. I could not get my mind off of it. I talked about it at, at, at school with my friends. I did show and tell. I, I, I drew up, you know, different pictures on where I thought the route of the tornado was and, and had all these things that I, I was just in, captured by this tornado. Well, that's what's happened to this town. A tornado has ripped through this town and they are all on edge. They are all thinking about it. Is this going to happen to my kid? Well, how will this affect me? 
How can I be better prepared? I need to eliminate whatever the root cause of this is from, you know, I need to protect myself and my family. And because of that, when they see Jack in the newspaper being a pedophile, they're they're ready. Let's let's remove it. This is the this is the problem with our town. Protect our our, the, our future. Let's remove this danger from our town. And I think that those are just kind of more human nature instincts. I don't think that necessarily Carver is having the influence on them. All right. So if they're the wood on the bonfire, I think Carver is the lighter fluid. He is the accelerant causing them to jump to conclusions faster, making them question more. I would say Renee is the, is the well, repellent. <laughs> she definitely is, right? I, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. They're, in my opinion, they're both different kinds of, of evil. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever see the movie The Dark Knight? Yes, of course. Would, would you consider the Joker to be a villain in that movie? Yes. He, he had a great line. I'm just going to read it here. Okay. Okay. He says, you know, he's talking about um, breaking the people's spirits, mm-hmm. you know, giving them Harvey Dent and showing them what a bad person he is, taking Gotham's, quote, white knight and bringing him down to everybody else's level. Uh-huh. And the quote is, it wasn't hard. See, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. Is a little push. That's what Carver's doing. All he's doing is he's going into these situations and he's given a little tap, a little push. Oh, Ellie, don't answer for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, might need to observe what's going on in the church. Look for clues. Oh, don't help him out. Let him sweat it. Mm-hmm. I agree with with what you're saying there, but I don't think that those the the behavior that you just said about Carver is what is inciting the pitchforks and torches here in grace point i i do think it had more to do with what renee was writing and the overall murder the the tension that has been built up by just the fact of sure of what has brought and them I, here. and i will say carver's motives how however misdirected or misinformed are good well he he you're you're absolutely right where he is completely selfish and 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 he has one goal and he one goal only vendetta, whatever right. it takes to achieve that goal is is that's all that matters. Right. I completely agree with that. And so he is doing some things that are causing issues, shall we say. Um, but I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would label him a villain. And I, I would just because of the way that he handled the situation this week with Jack. Right. We didn't offer any help to Jack. He didn't. It's kind of like he saw Jack approaching the cliff. He didn't push him. He saw Jack being Pushed towards the driven towards the cliff. That's right. He didn't push him, but he stood there. You know, maybe he fanned it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe he told the people that were pushing him, "Hey, here he is. Push harder." Now I all for the sole goal of finding out who the killer was. Yes, and it turns out it wasn't Jack. I don't think Carver's going to have any trouble sleeping because now he's just eliminated a suspect in his own mind. I agree with all. Of the, I, I agree with that. What I what I would just something that someone evil does. Well, I think that he had the chance to step between the mob that was pushing Jack toward the edge, and chose not to do it. That's correct. And and if he was a quote good guy, he mm-hmm. would have done it. Well, I don't know that he realized how close Jack was to the edge, or maybe how close the mob was to Jack. 
We'll never know. Interesting. Yeah, it really is interesting. Um, you know, Ellie too. Ellie had the authority, and she heard what Jack. You know, she heard Jack's pleas for help too, and she didn't do anything about it. Now she would have had to have uh, overstepped Carver to do it. Maybe she felt like that wasn't a time to do that, or at least say, "Hey, Carver, this is way out of line. Mm-hmm. We need to get personal protection on Jack." Yeah, right. But at the same time, Mark did plead with Jack. Jack, you have no future here. At least not right now. You know, he didn't say that. He said yeah. you have no future here. He he pleaded with Jack to leave town until this well Jack should have left town, at least until it it breezed over a little bit. Yes. He didn't do that. And you know, he felt like he shouldn't have to. He hasn't done anything wrong. Why should I run away like I'm the like I'm guilty? You know, I I can understand his point of view, but at the same time, for your own safety, you probably should have. Should if have. You're Jack. Right. But it also makes him look guilty. Well, killing himself makes him look guilty, too. There are going to be some townsfolk who will say, there you go. He couldn't live with. Couldn't live with his guilt once we found him out. That's true. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah. But I think Carver and Ellie both when they saw that dead body washed up on shore that was that was jack reinhold they both said an innocent man is dead yeah absolutely it'll be interesting to see who tries to to push because that may be the killer right oh you already caught the you already caught the killer Uh uh-huh right yeah yeah interesting it really is so we got we got a couple other things to discuss yep um couple of awkward passes we talked about one we made a joke about one at the beginning <laughs> with uh, Gemma and Carver. I laughed. You said you literally chuckled out loud, so loud that your wife had to come in and ask you what you were laughing at. Yeah, she. I thought it was hilarious. Yes. I don't know how easy it is to act awkward. I mean, I am awkward all the time, and I <laughs> cause awkward scenes, but I'm not trying to, to be an actor and act yes. awkward. To me, that would seem hard i don't know because both people need to be equally awkward there and they're both i don't know i just thought it was it was hilarious yeah although what in the world was carver doing she's a suspect you don't you do not proposition a suspect she that's d-league stuff man yes exactly right (laughs) she has worked her womanly wiles on on him she has basically taken herself off the suspect list. And that should make her rise to the top of the suspect list. Should, it should put her pretty close. That whole thing uh-huh. really made me question whether or not Jimma was, was right. Yeah. Although I can totally see how he read what he did. Because she's had all day to bring fresh towels to his room. That's right. But Oh, she, yeah. She, no, I don't, think, I don't think he was wrong. Yeah. She was there with a with an ulterior motive for sure. Yes. All right, two other things I think before we move into prime suspect. One is Ellie's sister slash Owen's mom. What's your take? Owen? Did you ever watch that show? Um, what was it called? Sequest DSV? No. Then then the joke was totally lost on you. And the Venn diagram is here and uh, here for Grace Point and Sequest DSV. So <laughs> like, nobody would have got that. I see. There was a dolphin that would talk. He had speech capability. Huh. And one of the, like the young boy on the show was named Owen. The dolphin would always go, hello, Owen. 
So every time anybody says Owen, that's only uh, yeah. I go Owen. I I always think of uh, Owen, and I don't know where I get that from. I don't know where that's from. Um, is that Throw Mama from the Train? I think it's Throw Mama from the Train. That's the thing that comes to mind is that little lady that yeah. that actress that played that. She was in Goonies, Goonies and stuff like right. that. So okay, since you said that, that then I, that's got to be where Good. it's from because that right. was my thought. Glad we got all that. All the up. Owens. Now, what about the Owen boat and the Owen mom? Those are the two issues at hand. Owens here. on a boat. Yeah. So I think the mom sold the boat to the killer for drug money. Owens mom sold. Oh, really? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> I was just trying to address both things in the same. In the same. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, though. But okay, so. You do think that Owen's boat, I mean, it does seem pretty, like that's what Hugo said was that it was the one that had been caught on fire, which I was confused by this. Owen talked about when he and the guy are walking out to the, you know, the boat dock or whatever it is, he mentions that it might, it has some rusty spots, but we saw the boat on fire. So how does a a rusty metal boat catch on fire? Because what, and what we saw on fire was like a wood plank boat, right? Am yeah. I missing something here? No, I mean, I think maybe the cross beams were metal and they were rusty. That's about the best I can figure the boat mount. but The uh, the motor mount? Motor mount. Okay, maybe. Okay. I guess that's enough to mention, hey, it's got some rusty spots. Or maybe it was just Owen misremembering. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think it's a big deal. Um, do you think that so, Owen, did, that this connects Owen to the murder? Or did somebody just steal the Owen? boat? <laughs> I think somebody st- stole the boat and the people that know about the boat are probably few and far between. Do you think it was a random boat that was stolen or the, or they stole that boat intentionally? I don't know. Did it have a motor on it? That's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. So it would have to be Owen, mm-hmm. his mom, Ellie, Tom, Joe, Owen's dad. Owen's uncle. Well, that's Dean's uncle, isn't it? Yeah, you're thinking of Dean's uncle. Sorry, I was trying to help you out, man. Danny, maybe. Danny probably knew about the boat. So if Danny had the boat out for some other reason, mm-hmm. somebody else could have just grabbed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We do know Danny liked to steal things. <laughs> True story. True story there. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Owen has anything to do with the murder. I think it was either stolen at random I think it was stolen at random, to be honest with you. I don't... Okay. That's the way I'm leaning. All right. Yeah. Do you think his mom actually saw something, or is she just trying to get money to spend on drugs? Mm, I think she saw something, and she's trying to get money to spend on drugs. Yeah. Should Ellie have pursued it further, done something to force the information out of her? Man, I would have I would have uh, taken her into custody for blackmailing an officer yeah. of the law. Yeah, then you could, if she doesn't, you could do like the obstruction of justice thing, probably. Yeah. Throw her in jail. I think as a detective. Let her go through withdrawals. Yeah. You are supposed to turn over every stone. Yeah. And if there's someone who's saying, hey, I saw something, even if that stone is known to be unreliable and whose testimony would not really have any credibility in court, you still have to turn over that stone and see what the info is. Yeah. As a detective. That's that's your job. She didn't seem like she had any trouble getting stoned. <laughs> <laughs> Much nice. less turning them over. Nice, yeah. 
All right. Any other topics you want to discuss before That's we get it. into? I think uh, we've covered it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to next week's episode. Man, I am too. Episode seven, three left, four left. Uh, four four left, left, including next week. Yep. Yeah. Did you see the preview for next week? Yes. I tried to turn them off and I didn't get it turned off in time. I saw more than I would have wanted. I didn't see it all, but I think I saw too stuff much. that mattered. Yeah. So let's not talk about that. All right. Are you ready to move into some Twitter poll action? Yeah, let's do this. All right. What was the Twitter question this week? I believe it had to do with Owen's boat. A question is, what's the deal with Owen's boat? (laughs) And who's involved? (laughs) Nice. Uh, The first one comes in from Mark. Solo Talk Media. Mark says good old vincent took it out for a 3 to 4 a.m thursday night tour then decided it was easier to burn it than return it nice kind of like when you leave the vhs tape in your car you leave a v what are you doing watching a vhs tape and then it melts in your car in your car and it's easier just to throw it in the trash than to take it <laughs> than to take it back all right all right you know, that happens to me pretty much on a weekly basis. Well, you're still using uh, Betamax, aren't you? Or is it HD DVD? I can't remember. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lemonize says the killer stole the boat to move the body because he's a local and knew it wouldn't be missed right away. Vince. Mm, that's a good observation, Lemonize. I like that. Of, lots of Vincent going on. Uh-huh. Wayne Henderson says... I think the drug-addicted mom is involved with the missing boat. That's why she claims to have seen something. That's a good thought. Uh-huh. Uh, Jenkins 100 Rose says, Stolen boat is used to transport the body. Killer panicked and burned the boat. I think it was Vince and or Susan. Okay. okay. Everybody thinks it's Vince. That might be a trend we will continue to see as we get into the next segment. Jay Nails 83 says, It was used to move Danny. Susan is involved. She was smoking cigarettes which brand and looking on when Owen found it missing. Okay. It's true. Chad Adams, uh, 2691 says Danny stole the boat to do whatever he and Tom are up to. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, huh. Danny does like to steal as we've, uh, he's a stealer. Just... You think he lives in Pittsburgh? Cause he's a stealer. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Uh, la, 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 la. 68 says, uh, someone used the boat to put Danny's body in it. Think Paul is involved. Ooh, Paul. Paul getting a vote there. And finally, Tanger 14 says the real killer is trying to deflect suspicion to someone else. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a possibility too. I do, although it does seem like based on what Hugo said, if Hugo is to be trusted, which not sure about that, that uh, the boat is involved with the murder because we saw they found Danny's blood in the boat and it matched the the photo that Owen had of the boat matches mm-hmm. what they found of the remains of the burning boat. Hugo Boss. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, that's some good good uh, good insightful stuff there. All right. Well, let's move on to prime suspects. We had a couple of prime suspects from listeners. The first one comes from Barb. Indeed. Barb. Thinking about the scene we keep seeing with Danny. Blood is dripping from his fingertips, which may signify an arm or shoulder wound, not a mortal wound at that point. That makes me think that his death wasn't an accident. It was deliberate. So that means the killer, after wounding Danny, finished the job. 
I believe we're looking for an intelligent man, so Paul and Joe remain high on my list. This week, Hugo gets a second look, although I think he's just a sleaze. I'm also guessing that the cigarette butts are a red herring, and Hugo may or may not have planted them there, just to throw a wrench into the case. The missing boat was odd. Why take that boat out of the five sitting there unless you wanted to throw suspicion on someone else? It would probably have been less difficult to take one of the boats at the end rather than the one in the middle. I'll need to think about that one a bit. So she was smoking instead of Marlboro Reds, she was smoking herring reds. <laughs> yes. I like we, it. So far everyone that's that has voiced an opinion has agreed with that that opinion. Um, yeah, I don't know why it, it does seem like stealing one from the end would be easier because you know, there's, you can get to it from any three sides instead of just one side, but I don't know. I don't know now, but she did talk about Danny's bleeding hand. Really a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> you and I had talked about this a few weeks ago and I still think that this is, in my mind, this is more likely what happened. That is that he cut his hand while he was peering in the window of the cabin at Mark and Gemma or something else. Okay. And that the flesh wound on his hand was not related to his death. We saw when he died, he had facial wounds. And I don't think that if the wound that was bleeding that was coming from his hand while yes it could have been coming from the arm or the shoulder and, and pouring down his arm down his fingertips absolutely right and that may be the case but i don't know why if the killer would have inflicted that wound why the killer would have allowed him to go over to the edge of the cliff and just stand there because when we saw him in that same scene that she's referencing he was just standing there by himself and he was crying he didn't have the facial wound yet so yeah that's true. I think there's a I don't think that those two wounds are connected. I think that he pierced his hand on the cut barbed wire fence. Oh, okay. In old farmer McGrangie's farm and that him and Vince I think I might have stolen part of this from Mark. Okay. But him and Vince were poaching animals. Okay. And that the money he had was from selling off the meat from the animals he poached and that something happened between him and Vince. Vince said, you know, you can't tell anybody what we're doing. And Danny said, give me more money or I'm going to tell everybody. And he tripped and fell and bonked his head and mm-hmm. he thought he was dead. I don't know. Something like that. That's okay. What I think okay. Well, I do. I could see where the, the barbed wire uh, could tie into the cut on Danny's yeah. hand. Speaking of Mark. Uh-huh. Got a little prime suspect action from Mark this week. Now regarding Danny's murder, I keep flip-flopping back and forth between Dean and Victor. I did vote for Victor again on this week's poll, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe the two of them were working together. And thinking back to Danny stealing that crossword book makes me think that Danny isn't as innocent as everybody thinks he is. And I wonder if Danny knew something about somebody and was blackmailing them, perhaps demanding their smartphone as payment, and then $500 in cash, and maybe he just got too greedy, and whoever he was blackmailing turned on him and killed him. So regardless of who the killer turns out to be, I think we're going to discover that Danny played a contributing factor in his own death. Could be blackmailing. Could be blackmailing Dean. 
I do like the idea that perhaps Danny was blackmailing. It seems a little bit of a stretch to think that a 12 year old boy could be blackmailing someone to the extent that he gets their phone and $500 from them. But Hey, it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Victor, uh, is who he said, right? He said Victor, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. That's the uh, Canadian translation for Vince. Vince. In case you're wondering. V for Vince. Mm hmm. Yep. He wears a mask. Is he, is he the mask? Yeah. Is he smoking? He is. Somebody, somebody stop him. Oh, boy. All right. Well, let's get into our prime suspects. Daryl, who's your prime suspect? Real simple this week for me. I didn't make any, cha- I didn't make any changes from last week. Wow. So Joe Miller, still my number one prime suspect. Joe Miller. He didn't necessarily have anything really suspicious this week. You could read into some things that he did. Primarily sending Tom away while he talked to the petition guy. Mm-hmm. But he very easily could have just been wanting to have some words with that guy that he didn't want his son to hear. Uh, so I don't read too much into that. Gemma did is still number two on my list. Again, the scene with Carver was pretty suspicious to me. But I don't know if that's enough to vault her to number one on my list. So okay. I'm still going to maintain Joe Miller number one. Gemma Fisher number two. Dean, number three, Hugo, number four, Reverend Paul, number five. Numero five oh. Mm-hmm. And is that kind of your cutoff? Yeah, and I have I have cut or, or eliminated Jack Reinhold as a suspect. Okay. Just because he's dead doesn't mean that he's not the killer. Right. But I believed everything he said in this episode, and I have officially scratched him off my wow. list. Yeah. Okay. All right, my list still, the number one spot is Reverend Paul Coates. Okay. Vince took a big jump to number two for me. Okay. Where was he last week? I need to pull that up. He was way down on the list. Vince is either really shady or really not intelligent. Can I say that? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think he's slim enough to be shady. I think he's the real slim shady. Oh, okay. All right. You had Vince at number two. 10 last week so he took a big jump huge jump this okay week. all right Gemma, number mm-hmm. three okay she was two for you last week that's right so uh owen's mom it's number four I, in the in the tradition of adding somebody that you don't have on your list owen's mom she's got it going on to number four on that's your right. list and i think she supplanted somebody else from last week that wasn't you on had, the list. you had pete, pete. <laughs> dumb dumb cop Pete. Yeah, we didn't even see Pete this week. No, he which didn't. is a good thing too. No I repeat this week. Punched him in the face. <laughs> All right, his incompetent face, and then Dean's number five, and that's really it for me. Kathy, okay, an early favorite is number six. Tom, Susan, Lars, Mark on ten, and then I also crossed off Mister Yock Reinhold. All right, so both of us have crossed off Jack. All right, our listeners. We had a couple of moves this week. We did. Yeah. So Tom Miller, last week's number one, has fallen to number two. That's right. Paul he, Coates, last week's number two, has come up to number one. Paul got three new votes this week, right. where Tom only got one new vote this week. Which I don't think Paul was really in the episode that much. You know, he was there with Beth when she was talking about what she did to uh, Gemma, whether or not right. she should pay for it. No, I'm not paying for it. She deserved what she got. He was in that scene. Was that it? Um, there was a comment made about him um, by Mark. Was that last week about him getting the press, getting the attention? It was last week, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vince 
huge jump this week doubled his his votes yeah he had seven votes last week and he's now at 14 votes in the number three spot so he jumped from five to three joe miller joe miller joe miller as in the position number four dean at five Jimma six uh-huh that's really it i mean really yeah. dean yeah because Jimma Jimma didn't get any new votes right. this week then we have Mark. Uh, anything else of interest? Beth Solano picked up a vote this she week. She picked up one vote. She now has her first vote. So now Emmett Carver and the Har- the Harker, the hiker Lars Pearson are the only two without a vote. Hmm. So Interesting. Yeah. I still think we'll see the hiker in the flesh, not just on a picture and not just in a flashback. Could be. And so maybe he'll get some votes after that. We'll see. Could be. All right. Well, D- Daryl, that wraps up our podcast for this week. Yeah, that's what gets us to the bottom of the notes. We want to hear what you think. You know, the, the prime suspect poll, go over there every week, cast your vote for who you think is the prime suspect, goldenspiralmedia.com slash prime suspect. We also want to hear your thoughts on the GP Twitter poll question of the week. We do that via Twitter only. So follow us on Twitter at GracePointGSM and make sure that you reply with your answer using the hashtag GPTwit. And we'd love to have your feedback for the podcast. You can call in to 304-837-2278 or you can go over to goldenspiralmedia.com where you can either type out your contribution and submit it via our feedback form or you can attach a pre-recorded audio file and attach it and send it to us uh, via our feedback form. That's correct. You can also contact us on the website goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback with Daryl Ultra mentioned using a, a really nice voice feature called Beer Pipe. <laughs> and you know what it does is it turns on all of the taps for the internet on full blast and allows you to yell at at least one character in the show. As long as you're throwing a glass while as you do it. As long as you're throwing a glass. Well, you, you do need that, that high resonant frequency in the background right. yeah. <laughs> to be able to do that. So jump over there and do that. Our deadline, as always, is Sunday at noon Eastern. That's it. All right. Well, Clint, thanks for uh, doing the podcast again It's this been week. great. Yeah, it has been fun. Always sweeter the second time. And until next time, I think I'm going to go check and make sure my boats are all tied up where they're supposed to be. Your boats are all tied tied up. Yeah. I don't have any boats, but maybe I should check. You should. And, uh, Daryl, are you, are you a happy podcaster? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's lots of people that are happy podcasting. You. Oh, no, no. I, I really am. really am a happy podcaster. Oh, okay. Well, if you ever change your mind, you can let me sign off. We'll be right back.